cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. I will not let this opportunity slip through my fingers. Cup of coffee in the big time. This is Tall Can Audio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio. We are coming to you today, as always, well, not as always, took a little time away over the summer, as you all know, but today, coming to you from the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, my name is Matt Robinson, across from Lever Sage. What's happening, man? My bruchacho, my bruchacho, Matt Robinson, I am so... Jacked up, not only to finally get to actually talk some sports. I'm yeah. tired of talking about me right. and you and <laughs> life and all that stuff. We get to dig in, and now you hit me with a little MJF, and now I'm sure. cool. And macho man. Macho man. <laughs> we got Grand Slam at coming up about it's a cool two, event, eh? two weeks. Yeah. Arthur Ashe Stadium, you think I'm talking tennis, but I'm really talking wrestling, and that's amazing. <laughs> and that, for people who don't know, AEW runs a show every September. They call it Grand Slam. They run it at Arthur Ashe, which is where the U.S. Open takes place. Cool name. Cool it's an incredible tie-in. venue. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well uh, done. And they've had it a couple of years, and it hasn't rained, and it's just looked incredible, and the acoustics in there yeah. apparently are second to none. Right. So, uh, look, we're not going to make you wait too long. Because you, I, I've busted your balls a couple times coming in here and cracking your beer before it's been it's been time. So you've been very good this time. You have not yet cracked your. You beer. have not busted my balls. I've just been too anxious to a it's weirdly weirdly be here with you talking <laughs> sports, or b probably just excited to crack the beer. Yes. And drink it. Right. But I've waited patiently. Yes. And so I'm going to make you wait no longer. Go ahead. Okay, I am cracking a Honey Hound mm-hmm. Cream Ale, which is one that I believe you brought back from Bob Cajun. That's right. The Old Dog Brewing Company there in uh, in Bob Cajun. Uh, all of their stuff, canine named. You saw a couple in the Yellow Lab. There's the Chihuahua, um, what do they call it? Cerveza that they have during the summer. All their stuff is uh, kind of keeps that naming scheme. Um, so I'm not necessarily the biggest cream ale fan, right? But I've learned a little bit here to understand what they are mm-hmm. and the subtleties of them. Okay. So I'm now with beers I don't necessarily like want to dig into immediately, or I haven't tasted. Right. I now have a three sip policy. Okay. Yeah. You're a very patient man now. You're gonna. I'm gonna give this a little time. Do you know me? I'm not quite patient, <laughs> but I'm trying to adapt my palate. Yeah. and understand a little bit more. So okay. I've had the one sip. Yeah, and uh, you've, as someone who's incapable of following instructions, you've brought me beer, which is not the way this is supposed to work. But it Hold is on. the way it usually works when you come in here. You do bring beer, and one time I didn't. Now yeah. you got to mention the one time I've been I didn't. here. I, I'm. That I didn't do it. It's supposed to be the opposite. When guys roll in here, we hand them a beer to come talk sports with us. You always bring beer. I didn't even mention the one time that you didn't, man, because that's implied it. Uh, (laughs) You've brought me something. What do I got going on today, man? So I'm really excited for you to taste this. Okay. So Rito View Golf Course and Steve Duckett 
does a fantastic job as the general manager, but they decided a few years ago, I don't know how long ago, to they grew hops on their 17th hole. Mm -hmm. And they end up coming up with a beer that was not like an IPA, but just a little bit of a lager that was, I would call it hop forward. Yep. So Chris Stevenson brought one of those in yes. for me, CJ, uh, yeah. and, and it was great. And part of the planning, Chris Stevenson uh, in that group, mm -hmm. planning the beer. So now they've come out. exploded all over me, which yeah. is upsetting. But Well, mine exploded too. <laughs> uh, but they keep bees, because I think that's the proper term. They keep bees okay. on their eighth hole mm -hmm. at Rideau View. Okay. And there's this big, I don't know, I stay away from it. I'm kind of allergic, so... Uh, Try and stay away from okay. as much as possible. Yeah. But they ended up making their own honey, and now they've made a honey brown yes. called number eight. Um, the other one is called number 17. 17, right? Yeah, okay. In a green can. This is in a, a brown can. It's yep. a honey brown. But I think sometimes if somebody had given me a honey brown previously, I would be, okay, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's all right, but I'm really not going to taste the honey. And you know me, I'm a big flavor guy. Sure, I like yeah. my my maples and my honeys and whatever. You got a bit it is. of a sweet tooth with your beer. You could have stopped that, with that tooth. Okay, uh, me too. Actually, speaking of, I'm glad you didn't ask me to come in last week. I had a root canal. Oof. Oh, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> that was really enjoyable. I had one of those. I think it was 11 or 12 years old, something like that. My dad was just and look like a lot of families. Mom normally took us to our doctor's appointments, our dentist appointments, our whatever. Dad was was busy, right? Yeah. He was working. He was doing whatever else. And it's not a judgment. Everybody, you set up your families however you want to set them up. That's just the way it worked in our house. Mm -hmm. uh, Dad took me to the dentist, and they discovered at my appointment I needed a root canal. Right. And he was, the guy, uh, the dentist went out and told my dad, like, we can just do it now. My dad's like, all right. So they did it. And he is now super late to get back to work. So he just drops me off in the driveway back at home and I go in with like these T3s, right? Like whatever. And I said to my mom, like, my face hurts. I've had a root canal. She's like, you have not had a root exactly. canal. Exactly. You think like, suck, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was a like cleaning. Half whatever. a cavity filled yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I, she thinks, I don't know what I'm talking about. She's just like, so I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. let's go down to my room. And I'm like in pain. My dad comes home like four hours later. He's like, oh no, yeah, he had a root canal. How's the, how's the kid? <laughs> In a root canal. Yeah. Well, nowadays, right? Like yeah. dentists, a lot more advanced. Sure. They give me these pills and you put it under your tongue and they say, well, okay. And you'll probably be about three quarters out in about an hour. Right. And I'm like, an hour? Yeah. What do you mean? Like usually <laughs> it's over your face. It's 10 seconds. Yeah, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Nope. It'll be an hour because we don't put you fully out. And then we put a little laughing gas in. Yeah. Well- they turn off the lights. You're in the lounger. You're like life is good, <laughs> yeah. Right, like for sure. You can't really do anything. They now. Do you want to watch Netflix? Because they have it on on the yep. ceiling. Yep. Like I'm like, no. I'm gonna listen to some music. Yep. Just, just chill out. <laughs> the dentist comes in and kind of grabs my arm about half an hour, and I've just kind of dozed off. Grabs my. Are you? How you doing? Well, I was fine, but you've scared the. <laughs> out of me. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And she's like, yeah, you can't go to the bathroom. Oh. I'm like, no, no. I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to the bathroom. It's just a question of where. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen the staff like line up to like, is this, like, cause this guy's 
three quarters out. <laughs> yeah. And now he's gone to the bathroom on his own. Is he ever going to make it back? Yeah. I really wanted to like clang around in the bathroom and make it seem yeah. like I fell or something. <laughs> yeah. But no. Uh, yeah. Michael so Scott in the office, are you an office guy? What's that? Michael Scott, the office? No. No. He comes into work, he's burned his foot and now he's asking everyone for help. Anyway, he goes into the bathroom and he's yelling for people to come in and help him and everybody's just outside the door like, no, like you can figure that out for yourself. What what happened? I fell off the toilet. I'm caught between the toilet and the wall. What do you need? No, not you. Someone else. Get Pam. I think Pam's gonna want to come into the men's room. Get Ryan. Oh, he needs to lift me. And he needs to clean me up a little bit. Bring a wet towel. Ryan is uh dead. No, he's not. Dead. I just saw him. No. Can't. Can you just get up yourself? I, you only grilled your foot. No, oh, forget it. I'll just get up myself. No! How? Oh! Oh, God! Anyways, root canal is not, not fun. Not fun. But no. uh, I didn't realize how much pain I've been in the last, like, year and a half. Okay. And so... I would always just put stuff on the right side of my mouth, not hot or cold on the left side of my mouth. Yeah. And now, like, I still have the instinct to keep it right. over on the right you side of my mouth. yourself to not. But it's crazy. <laughs> it's, like, life-changing. Like, you put, <laughs> oh, my God, I have a cold beer? Yeah. I can put it in the left side of my Ooh, mouth? Yeah. This is, so I want to know, two or three sips in, I mean, I'm now into it, and I, the Honeyhound Cream Ale. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of subtle. It on, is. Yeah. Which I like. Okay. See, I, I've found, and I, I've, I've, it's improved lately, but I've said to the guy down there at, at, uh, at Old Dog, just kind of trading, you know, Instagram messages back and forth when you're checking in their beer. Like, I've thought they could turn up the volume on most of their beers just a little, right? Most of their stuff I found mm-hmm. a little plain. Nothing wrong with it, but could stand to be a little more flavorful. Right. And in response, and it's a totally fair crit, like Bob Cajun's a town of like 3,500 people. Like you can't be doing crazy stuff if you want to survive because there's not enough people Do in the market. Do they have X and Canadian in 50? <laughs> exactly. Do they make so, those? Okay. <laughs> uh, but they have this summer, they put out a sour that yeah. had a lot more flavor. They put out uh, a new IPA that had a lot more flavor. I have no idea if that's due to feedback or just them experimenting and growing as they mm-hmm. go. They're only a couple years old, so... Uh, but I have found that that one that you're drinking, um, more subtle than the one I'm drinking. Like this has a more honey flavor. The, this one is coming through a little stronger with the honey, which I enjoy. Like I, I, okay. So do I, but with the cream ales in particular, sometimes I find that they're a little bit much for me mm-hmm. just in the way that they're done. So in this particular case, I don't mind it. Okay. The beer you're drinking. Yeah. I literally would put my top two or three beers I've ever had. Okay, nice. Like, I, it's I, coming through with the honey, and I like that. Like, I'm the so opposite I. of you. Like, I, I don't want them to be subtle. If you no, tell me I, this is a honey beer, no, no, I, bring I, it. I, like, I want me, you to be clear okay. here because I'm a big flavor yeah, guy. Like, yeah. I want that in cream ales or different, like more subtle things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I find okay, it's too cre- like it's just a little bit too much for that particular beer. Okay, 
But I'm a big, big, like, love my maples, love yeah. my honeys. Crank that up. Love right? my pumpkins. Yeah. Like, I brought you, you another did. one later. Yeah. Uh, an espresso pumpkin spice porter. I'm so interested in checking from out. From Whitewater, yeah. which I didn't, I don't know. Like, we should talk about it at some point, mm-hmm. maybe on another show, that Whitewater and Calabogie came together. And really? And have joined forces. They're I gonna, had no idea. Yeah, they're going to keep their... Uh, brand separate, yeah. But they're now under one new entity. When I think they're going to work on a lot of collaborations, and I uh, read that a few days ago. I had no idea. Yeah. So, and both of those companies make good beer. Exactly. Like, I'm intrigued to see what happens when they're under the same umbrella. I guess you're saying they'll keep their own distinct branding and everything, but they're going to keep their branding. But I think they're going to come together on yeah. some some new stuff because they're all going to be under one company now. Awesome. Yeah. It's fascinating. Right? More uh, more fascinating than Jake Sanderson? More fascinating to me? Yeah, than Canada in. and basketball? More fascinating mm. than... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I love that beer that you're drinking, and I... I'm really enjoying so, it, as one, someone who also has a bit of a sweet. And one of the things that... A lot of people, two in the morning, you've had too much to drink, or looking for chips, or looking for... I'm like, no, no. Give I, me I, sweet. You got like a yeah, little yeah. mini Mars bars left over from Halloween or something like 100%. that. That's what I'm looking for, right? So. Is there an extra pumpkin, pecan, porter, pie <laughs> oh, yeah. beer that now you're talking? So, you, do you know much about uh, Five Paddles down in Whippy? Uh, no, that's that is right up there. Like they have a, a pecan pie porter. They have like all kind. Like they over the pandemic, maybe more than anybody, were a brewery that I got into because they would use their stout as a base for anything. Because a stout, if it's not great. Of the ingredients you've thrown in, mm-hmm. the stout is strong enough that it will cover up a bit right. of... So they were just using it as a base. We're like, well, let's see what happens if we add this to our stout. Let's see what happens if we add right. that to our stout. And I was like, yeah, let me try all of that, please. And so, yeah, they have all kinds of stuff down there for uh, uh, if you got a bit of a sweet tooth. Now, they just switched ownership. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but right. still. But I'm I'm stuff. a big fan of that. So when I actually went, you can only get this beer, although it's... Rito View and Big Rig, you can only get it at Rito View. Unless you know CJ. Right. Yeah. Well, or you know someone. Right. I'd like to be that person one day that, like, I'm the person that somebody You're knows instead of me having to know somebody. <laughs> you, you knowing the hookup. But uh, <laughs> I, I, hear me. I did roll in uh, to Rito View mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Duckett and bought a, bought a flat, nice. as they call it. Yeah. Uh, about 18 of those and six of the the number 17. Mm-hmm. And Steve was there and he said, do you have time for like a pint? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, who says no yes. to that ever, Steve? I absolutely have that time. Yes. On draft, mm-hmm. it was even better. On draft, it might have been like top two beers I've ever had. Cold on draft, this honey brown. So you said top three. Now you're saying top two. There's, on draft. There, no, I, I'm hearing you. There's something, though, in your head that you're not willing to totally commit to putting this ahead of. What is that other beer that you're wrestling it's with? It's the right Perth now? honey. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're all it's, about the honeys, but, eh? That's I, a, I, the yeah. Perth honey has always been my favorite. And to just have something new, like the newbie on the block to come in and be number one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard for me. When you were over there at Reed of You, yeah. did you golf? Well, you any good? Um, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, I don't golf enough. I used to be good. Like, okay. I used to be, yeah. I don't know, like eight to 10 handicap. I could break 80. Okay. Um, but 
Not anymore. Right. But I feel like I have more time on my hands and I have golfed a little bit more lately. <laughs> so, and I got new irons. So I'm. So it's coming around uh, again? It's coming around again. Yeah. And we'll see if it can get there. Right. But I'm, I'm okay. And I, I love to do it. And I did not <laughs> golf there because Steve, being the, the gentleman that he is. Yeah. Um, Would rather have you try his beer than his, than his golf No. <laughs> Actually, they're putting in, this is like a Rideau View commercial the last <laughs> five or six minutes. They're putting in a $1.8 million bunker renovation. Oh, wow. And they're almost done. And so it's taken a couple of months. Yeah. It's just massive. Like you go out there and like every bunker is, but they have the newest technology and drainage and um, it's just such a huge renovation. Mm -hmm. But right now you can't play out of the bunkers and Steve wants me to play when the course is ready. That, all right. See it. So he's like, you're not allowed to come you out. can't play, play until it's done, right? But as soon as it's see. done, yeah. you can come out. It should be done, I think even as early as next week. So nice. We'll okay. see. Yeah. Uh, before we get into a couple things, I want to shout out good friend of the show who's come on multiple times, especially during the pandemic to help us out. Dr. Vicki Forster, mm -hmm. who got married this weekend. Oh, uh, shout congratulations. Out to her partner. Yeah. Um, couple of pictures she's got up on her, uh, her Instagram and, and whatever. So just a quick shout out to her for, uh, for being able to tie the knot there. Where, it looked like they had a good time. Where down did you in, get married? Uh, down in Toronto, in Toronto? Uh, on one of the islands. It wasn't the main center Toronto Island. I forget what the other one's called that she was over, but Looked like they were having a pretty good time there based on her Instagram. So, okay. uh, so shout out to her. And, Isn't that what uh, Instagram's about though? That people looking like they're having a good time. <laughs> are they really? I'm not sure. At a wedding, they probably are. They probably they were. Probably Congratulations, are. Vicky. I wasn't trying to take away 100%. From it. So, uh, look, uh, shout out to her. And, and we got some sports stuff to talk. You mentioned Jake Sanderson. Yeah. It's also the first Sunday of the NFL season. Uh, the Jays are, man, they're, they're, they're beating these bad teams, but just barely. We'll get into some of that. I wanted to ask you a little bit because I'm so I know glad you kept talking because I almost sang the Sunday night football <laughs> theme song. This is how we got Lee in dun, 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 dun. Yes. His team does not play until Sunday night. Correct. So we were able to get him in here early Sunday afternoon, allow him enough time to come do the show, and then... Uh, seven, and seven hours. <laughs> seven hours. He's, he's a little stressed, but uh, we'll see what's going to happen here. Yeah. I was curious, because I know this is around the time that you would have started. We yeah. are releasing this episode on the anniversary of 9-11. Mm -hmm. Are you yet working in radio? Like, have you started up here yet? Like, where are you at on, on, on September 11th, 2001? Yeah. So probably not a great, I was working mm -hmm. and I had just, not just, I had been working there probably, um, after my internship for about eight months and I was doing anything they asked me to do. And this would be at um, OSR? No, at Team 1200. At it was Team 1200 okay. before that. Okay. Uh, or sorry, when I was there. I was never at OSR. Okay. But when I got there in September 2000, it was already Team 1200. Right. Worked on Walkley and Conroy for three months. I think it was a Boston pizza now there. Yeah, they <laughs> tore the whole building down. Yeah, okay. And moved downtown, I think in November of 2000 or November of 2000. So doing anything that I was being asked to do. And I think that day I was living in Gloucester at the time. Mm -hmm. And on that day I was coming in and doing some 
promotions before I was producing. I was the secondary man behind Mike Ross. Oh, yeah. Um, Current uh, in-house voice for the Leafs down at the SEC. Yeah, and I actually have to know exactly what, when he left to go to the team radio network, which yeah. they created in 2001. And that's how he ended up being kind of the first producer of the afternoon show, Duke and the Dandy Man at the time. <laughs> and so I, I might be playing around with that I was already the producer. I can't remember when Mike left. But, right, right. Um, but I do remember, I lived in Gloucester. I've told you the story of where I lived too. Nope. It's actually fairly interesting in a... Well, so, let's have it. So I grew up as a big curling fan for no reason at all other than I was friends with a girl named Kim Gillard who ended up playing with or winning on her own with three other girls from Markham, the uh, Canadian juniors and then world juniors. Okay. And then she went on to play with Marilyn Bodo and won the Scotties and won the Worlds. Nice. And it was like, oh my God, like, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and I just loved curling and none of my friends loved curling, but <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was really interesting. And then kind of watched it all the way up. And then when I ended up coming to Ottawa, I had nowhere to live and I had no money and I wasn't being paid as an intern. <laughs> right. So I think I went to the Carlton Housing Board mm-hmm. and found like, I don't know, that day I came and looked at 15 different places. And the very, very last one was a room in the basement of a house in Gloucester. And it was the home of Earl Morris, who is the was the first ever three time or sorry, skipped for three different provinces in the Briar. Okay. And his son John Morris. Okay, now who, there you go. John, of course, legendary career, went on to win gold at the Olympics with Kevin Martin. Uh, but John had left for school and I was, was he not, I, I don't know shit about curling other than yeah. I don't mind watching it out. Did he not also go on? Was that the mixed doubles? Mixed doubles yeah. 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 Okay. That's more recent. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He won gold in 2010. He actually skipped in the Briar final in 2001 as like a 20 year old oh, or wow. 21 year old. But he went to Laurier and I was coming from Laurier and then Humber at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up going to Laurier and I was renting his room in his parents' house. <laughs> and so I loved curling and getting to know Earl was just, Earl is one of the most fascinating people ever and just got inducted into the, the Ottawa Sports Hall of Fame, um, is in the curling Hall of Fame. Like he's yep. just, and John will be too. Yes. But when I was there, it would be like, <laughs> Okay, well, John's going to school, but then every, pretty much every weekend, he would drive home from Laurier with all his friends, his team. <laughs> They'd get back at like midnight. Yeah. Knock on the door. It's like his room. Yeah, of and I, some I. dude's living in it, yeah. me. <laughs> Knock on the door. Lee, we're going out. Coming out with us? Yeah, yeah. Sure. I I am. Yeah. I'm a little bit old at the time. It's like they're coming home. They're 19, and I'm. 24, 25, but sure, whatever. Screw it. Good times. Yeah. Good time. yeah. <laughs> Get home at four in the morning. <laughs> I'm just wrecked. So are they. <laughs> but at seven in the morning, they would get up, win like five curling games, <laughs> Saturday night, do the same thing, get up, three hours sleep, win the final of the bond spiel, 
drive back to school. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, life, eh? I couldn't do it once. They do it every weekend. <laughs> and again, I'm, I would say I'm fairly good friends with John still yeah, nice. uh, to this day and, and, you know, really good friends with Earl and Maureen mm-hmm. Morris. And, and just, and so I ended up getting in the 2001 Briar final, John makes the final. So everyone flies out to Regina. Make the final. Sorry. Yeah. But it, <laughs> thanks Vic. <laughs> Man, uh, but that's good. I like Vic. That's all I got in my curling reference repertoire. <laughs> but they all fly out to Regina in 2001, and I'm home. Mm-hmm. Lee, make sure you're you're taping it on this TV and this TV and this. So I'm like, there's three TVs and three VCRs running, and I got to make sure the recording. Because imagine <laughs> if they get home and John wins. Yeah. This, again, this it. is 2001. Yeah. You can't just get YouTube it on the internet or whatever. Yeah. Got to make sure, and then he lost in the final, which. I didn't scrub any of the tapings either. Anyway, so um, just a fantastic, fantastic family. Back to 9-11. So I'm driving from their house into work. And that day, I ended up just listening to my portable. Like I got into, well, the car to the bus. And when I got on the bus, I had my portable compact disc player. Love a good discman. It was huge. It was like portable was. Remember half the time they would come with like wrist straps. Oh, so portable was <laughs> lenient, right? Like this is, this is a major yeah, contraption. Yeah. yeah. But I'm listening to it and I listened to it all the way in because I knew I was trying to get into this mode when I would go into work about, okay, I'm going to be there for eight, nine, 10 hours. So just relax before yeah. you go in. And then, so I walked into the building at about... I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes after the, the second plane went in. Oof. So and, now we know. Right? And I, but I walked into the building and I, I knew something was very, very wrong, yeah. but I didn't know what yet. Right, right. And when I walked in and found out it was, um, it, it was like life-changing in a way of this gut punch individually. And I knew a couple of people that lived in New York. And so you think of those people, mm-hmm. but then at starting to understand the gravity of the situation very, very quickly and being around a whole bunch of professionals at the time, whether it was at CFRA or at, at the new RO, which it was at yeah. the time, yeah. um, all of a sudden, you don't get this personal time to absorb it. You're actually in the middle. Okay, TSN's going to switch. Sorry, TSN. Uh, Team 1200's going to switch to simulcast CFRA, and we need you to do this in the CFRA booth. And people are just scrambling in their own minds because we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea what you know the the effects are. Right. World, we don't even know if it's over. Yeah, worldwide. Uh, yeah. You, you just, you're in this state of the world has changed and- We don't know yet into what. And then you see like being at work and you see people having to cover and be on TV and radio and give some of the horrific detail yeah. of what was going on at the time, what blew my mind. It really- it really made me understand not only the gravity of the situation because you're watching the images, you're trying to process it. People are calling to see if, you know, you're okay and you're calling to 
other people to see if they're okay. Meanwhile, you're in the midst of this chaos at work. And cell phones aren't yet ubiquitous. Right. Right. Like it's 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 a different world, it right? Is. Yeah. In so many ways. I, I'm in my last year of high school and I didn't hear anything till I went down to the cafeteria and I'm having lunch and I'm sitting across from my buddy Chris and he's like, oh, did you hear a plane hit the World Trade Center? And I'll be honest with you, at 18 or whatever I am, I didn't know what the World Trade Center was. Mm-hmm. Like I'd heard the term. I knew the – what, but – He's like, yeah, and the, the two big towers, you see, and all that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And even he at that point, he knew more than I did. That was the first I was hearing of it. But even he was like, it, it, so this is noon hour. He's like, he says a plane hit a tower, not two planes have hit two towers and they've collapsed. Like, we didn't know anything. And so we walk down to the, the student center area and we flip on this TV and they're gone. The towers are both collapsed. And you're like, what the, f-? you know, what has happened? And so at the same time, uh, we always had on in that same area, the student center, the edge one Oh two. And it, everyone was yelling at the person who typically was running the stereo, put it back to edge one Oh two, but edge one Oh two was running six eighty news, right? right? They had flipped over to, yeah. and so everybody's like, it is. Edge one. And, and so it, 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 I you, was my reaction, not only because of when I heard, but even once I heard, I still didn't understand what this was mm-hmm. or what was happening until you actually see that because they're running the replays on CNN of two. Once you find out it's two planes, it's not just some like when my buddy told me at lunch, some guy flew into a the World Trade Center. You're assuming it's some idiot in his prop job. We had seen that before. Right. And it falls down and it stinks. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, no. This is clearly an attack, and by then you know the Pentagon's been hit and the the Flight 93 in in yeah. Pennsylvania. And you're like, I don't know what's about to happen, but they're under attack, and the U.S. typically does not sit and just allow that to happen. So whatever's coming next is going to be big, right? It, it was wild. Yeah. I, I just a day like as you know we talked about the world is so different from pre. 9-11 to post 9-11 and it's not just the technology it's not just the growth of this and that it's it's the the freedoms you give up it's mm-hmm. the, you know it's it's searching your shoes at the airport and stuff that you know for how long were you not allowed to have actual yeah. silverware on, in your meal on a plane because somebody might use their butter knife to yep <laughs> man it's just a different world right? and to be able to process that took me a couple of days because being, again, kind of thrust into – and I remember it's the first day I really remember – because I walked into Ottawa Media and I had heard, but I didn't know because I wasn't from here, mm-hmm. right? So I'd heard, you know, the the Steve Madeleys, the Lowell Greens, mm-hmm. um, some – some of the people that were kind of legendary in the talk radio business here. Mm-hmm. That day I found out why they were. Um, and especially, well, both of them, uh, both of them. Because Lowell had this like bombastic personality, right? That if you said something stupid, he'd hang up on you and he'd <laughs> yell at you. And that was his, that was his shtick. Yeah. Not then it wasn't. No. And Steve Madeley who I still think might be the best talk radio person I've ever come across in any form of 
news or sports or sure. just just an incredible broadcaster and how he took charge of how everything was going to work and how because he knew not only like he was the leader as the morning show host of CFRA but how all the other stations at the time were simulcasting and like the entire city yeah, yeah. the entire city was it's only listening for news right now was listening to him yes and listening to that station yeah. and what we'd all know and learn would be from that yeah and the responsibility Incre- to not speculate, to not guess, right. the, to not the responsibility. Here are the facts. Yeah. yeah, that was the day that radio and journalism and really struck a different chord with me. Yeah. Just the the responsibility that was on some of their shoulders and the way that they were able to come through and do that. And I'm not trying to take away from the actual event. I'm just no, sort of, course, of yeah. putting. This is my, why I framed it the way I did. Yeah, I was my wondering if you were yet in those newsrooms, yeah. if you were yet in those. My perspective yeah. of it and just yeah. learned so much that, that that time. Just an incredible tragedy. And I think just from the sports world, yeah. um, I don't know if anything for me will ever, I mean, I, I, I never's a long time, but yeah, yeah. Paul Simon singing at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, George Bush, George Bush, when he was at like, just some of the things that happened in New York in the days after just incredible. Yep. Uh, let's let people up a bit. It's Monday morning. We'll, uh, we'll move on from here, but it was a, eh, just a life changing thing for, for everybody involved. And we didn't know yet to what degree, but it absolutely became uh, a life-changing moment for everybody. So uh, we'll let you up off the mat. We'll have a little fun here as we, we move forward. But it was important, I think, to acknowledge yeah, for sure. uh, the anniversary of... Can of you play Lord MJF Lord. music again? It'll really, really get people going. Incredible. True, man. I uh, want to let the good listener know, coming up over the next couple of weeks on the podcast, Tim McAuliffe will return to the show here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, our buddy Scott MacArthur is going to be back on the pod, talk a little bit about a little bit about his departure from sports media and uh, his move down to Nova Scotia. And uh, certainly, I know he has takes on the Blue Jays. First uh, show I ever did. Yeah? Scotty Mack? In the zone. Scott MacArthur. Nice. A weeknight show, early 2000s, was let on the air and um, I think Scott MacArthur is one of the the great human beings and great, totally great broadcasters, and he's been through more than mm-hmm. most of us have in combined lives. I just, I didn't take very many phone calls the first day I was let go. Right, took Scott's, and I think Scott and I talked for an hour. Yeah, and for I, I just love the guy. I, I really just do. An incredible and I, person, and right. I can't believe I haven't been to Halifax to use him for his. <laughs> New digs already. <laughs> um, but if you say to him when he comes on the show mm-hmm. and try and do it like somewhat seriously, like in the middle of a conversation okay. and just say like, I did have a question about like, I always thought the greatest pants were worn by jo- Jack Nicholas, <laughs> like in sports. But what do you think about Doherty Nordby's? Can you remember that? 
I'll go back and write it down when I'm editing the episode. Doherty Norby. Doherty Norby. Was like for Norway in curling, back to curling again. Are these the checkered? Yes. But (laughs) she, it's like she was just the representative because she'd never, ever lose. So Scott will always tell me there's three things that are certain in life, death, taxes, and Doherty Nordby representing Norway. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We will have to ask him about that for sure. I always say, and it's true, but uh, AJ was the first member of the local media who ever gave us the time of day. But his first appearance on the show was done by phone. Mm. The first member of the media who gave us the time of day in person was the next night. Uh, and Scotty Mack was up here for the Grey Cup in mm-hmm. 2017. And he said to me when I reached out to him, and he and I did not know each other. We'd never met. We'd never chatted. And I don't know why I thought I had any right to reach out and ask him. Uh, and he's like, why yeah. not? You can always ask. Yeah. People, and, uh, people are good. And he said, yeah, I'll, them. I'll come in uh, because I don't know shit about the CFL. I'm just here because this is my job. They sent me up. It's Radio Row at the Grey Cup. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. And I said, no, we'll we'll talk some Blue Jays. We'll, uh, this was... This, uh, the the year that Shohei Otani was actually being posted, like everyone was bidding on this guy and he was, Scotty had all kinds of insight on that. And I remember he came in and he had a beer with us and uh, we're about halfway through the show and his beer's empty. And I asked him a question. He's like, I don't know anything about that, but I know I didn't come out here for just one beer. Right. And it's like, we're taking a break now to get another beer. <laughs> and, and you're and- like, this is my type of guy. This is I like yeah, this yeah. guy. Yeah. And uh he was supposed to go and meet a bunch of the local media types for dinner downtown and he blew it off to stay and drink beers with us and and hang out. So, a uh, ton of time for Scotty. He's going to be uh, back on the show. Dan Schulman coming up on the show again. Cheryl Pounder coming up here over the next couple of weeks. Going to be a good run, so stick around Went if you're to not school subscribed. With Cheryl What's that? Went to school with Cheryl Pounder. Really? At Laurier. Man, you've yep. got you're like Forrest Gump, eh? You've been you've been everywhere. You got ties to everybody. Well, she know? played <laughs> at a major level, and I didn't. Yeah, we were we were best friends. No, uh, it's going to be a good couple weeks around the uh, the Talking Audio Podcast. So if you're not subscribed, I don't know what you're doing. Go ahead and get locked in uh, on all of that. Why don't we start though? We'll talk about some actual news mm-hmm. uh, with what most of Ottawa's talking about right now is the Ottawa Senators locking up Jake Sanderson. Eight years uh, times eight point zero five zero on the uh, on the cap, and there's a number of different ways you can come at it. It's a risk. I think it's a smart bet, right? I think it is a reasonable gamble, but there is a gamble. He has only played seventy seven games on the NHL at this point. His numbers are sort of on track with what Tyler Myers did in his first seventy seven games. I don't think Senators want to think that that's the ceiling for Jake Sanderson, right? That he's going to be Tyler Myers. I hear people talking more like Scott Niedermeyer, which is, man, that's a hell of a reach. Um, could be, but Scott Niedermeyer, one of the best of all time. Yeah, but who do you think Scott Niedermeyer in his first couple of years, as a Devils fan back then? Yeah, it's, I'd sort of forgotten. Yeah, you'd have a better feel a, for this. Than, who, who do you think he was compared to in his first or second year? And would that have been fair at the time? I don't know, like Denny Potvam, maybe, or yeah, not quite the same. No. But like, do you think that Scott Niedermeyer was in his second year or first year as a slight, really good skating defenseman that really didn't have a lot of other great attributes? I really don't remember. What are, we're talking like ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you, you. You'd have a better handle yeah, on that I, than I, I do. I, I can tell you, nobody thought that he was going to get there. Mm-hmm. My whole point is, why not? 
Sure. And look, this, I don't know whether the Tim Stutzler deal or this deal, but this might be in three or four years, the best deal in the National Hockey League. It has that potential. I can't believe that this happened. I actually can't. You mean from the player side? Correct. That he would agree to sign? Correct. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen coming up here in the next little while. It sounds like a bunch of changes, uh, maybe as soon as Tuesday, right? Yeah. Michael Landlauer is going to be in, and how many changes are made at that point? I would expect that some major change is coming very, very soon. That would be my expectation. It's a hell of a time of year to do it, eh? Right before camp. Nah, it doesn't right? matter. Okay. Honestly, it doesn't. Like, I mean this very truthfully. The players and the coaches don't give a crap. No, they, <laughs> who's sitting up in the no, suite? but they do. Like in the big picture, they do. Yeah. But all summer they've waited to get back, and they should be. I hope, and I know that. I try not to swear, even though because it's just my radio background. Am I allowed to swear? Oh, because I means. hear you like every other sentence, and then I always feel like Oops. I can't do it too. And yeah. no, I'm just kidding. I heard you on TSN. I accidentally was, swore oh, on TSN. Oh, that was really good. Uh, <laughs> took you all of five seconds yeah, to honestly. be able to pull that off. That was literally my first answer. Nice to have you. I guess uh, what was the problem with the delay there? Just kind of. Uh, crack another beer before you're hit or, or what? <laughs> That's always the problem over here, man. You know that. We got time for one more, right? We got time for one more. Oh, shit, better run. Oh, shoot, better run. Here we go. We're off and running. Off and running, for sure. <laughs> All right, let's... Uh, Sorry about that. It, Won't happen again. Well, my first my first thought was like, that's the only fucking guy you can get is Matt Robinson? <laughs> that's totally fair. To age. Totally and then I hear you and I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay. And that, there he is. But that, no, but that's why. And then you, that's why he's so good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's late August. They couldn't find a real Leafs commentator to come um, and talk about it. So but all, all I mean yeah. is that when the players and DJ Smith now knows he's going to get another chance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he's the one guy you can't. You can't shit you can can't. the coach right before camp. No. No. Plus, a lot of the top players like him. Yep. So Sounds like. And like and success, I don't want people to confuse, mm-hmm. but at this point, you can't gas a coach when some of the top players really like him and you don't have another plan in place yeah. because it's September 11th yeah. and the fact that, you know. This is your guy to at least start. Right. Yeah. So when the players get in and the coaches are there, what happens in September in the front office matters a lot less than yeah. before the draft. So, and right? The it, business is done. We've signed our guys. This is our roster. Right. I guess you could. You could do it now. Oh, absolutely. So what's going to happen? I don't know. I would, if I were a a betting person, I would throw out three or four or five names Mm -hmm. and say that they're all probably going to be a part of the organization. I don't know to what extent. And if I say five names and I'm right on three of them, are you going to kill me or (laughs) are you going to praise me? I'll give you an 11 out of 10. If I get three of five? I just think 11 is going to be involved here. Uh-huh. That was lame. All right. Uh, will Daniel Alfredson be a part of it? Yes. Uh, will <laughs> Steve Steos be a part of it? Yes. Will um, Will Cyril Leader come back? Uh, 
Probably. Gotta think so. Probably. Yeah. Uh, that would be. Matthew Darsh's name is out there, and I'm pretty sure that that would be a name that I would keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And I would also keep an eye on Trevor Timmons. And it's interesting when you mention a name like Darsh, he has a job right now and you can only hire him if you're promoting him. His current title is assistant general manager. Right. So So if you were to ask me on pure speculation, Mm -hmm. I would go Michael Anlauer and as the owner and governor. Yep. And I would probably put in Cyril Leader as the- President. CEO. Yeah. Okay. Um, Steve Steos would be the president. Okay. I thought they might want him a little closer to the players, right? A little more hands-on. I don't think so. No? Because I think Alfie will be yeah. somewhere in the vice president player development yep. area. And then I don't think, like if you're putting Alfie there, I don't think you need somebody else there. Fair enough. Like I don't think Steve Steos and Daniel Albertson. So do I think Matthew Darsh has a good chance of being the GM? In my opinion, he does. Sure. Yeah. So if I just threw those names out and said Steve Steos and Cyril Leader and Matthew Darsh and Daniel Alfredson, was I missing somebody there? Hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, that, that to me yeah. doesn't leave a lot of room nope. for some of the current people. Mm-hmm. But again, that's just my speculation Right. Opinion. I don't I don't have a lot of facts right now to back that up, but I hear a lot of things. Sure. Do you have any thoughts on I think Jake Sanderson and that yeah, contract? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so. Which was the initial question. <laughs> You're a lot like the other guy who normally sits in that seat on. Uh, do me a favor. I'm when if, when you invite me back. Yeah. When you invite me back. Yeah. Like. Not every, if, but. Every week or. Oh, okay. Yeah every other day, whatever it is, just stop asking me legitimate questions (laughs) and we'll just talk and we'll get to it because I know we're going to talk about Jake Sanderson. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give Pierre Dorian a lot of credit. Um, I've, I've not agreed with a lot of things that he's done over over his tenure. Mm -hmm. And look, he's the general manager and I think he had an owner to. He was in a tough spot to, to deal with, Mm -hmm. but I still haven't agreed with a lot of what he has done. Does he? The contracts of, at the time, mm-hmm. the Colin White contract and then the Thomas Shabbat contract. I, I thought were both, I thought Colin White's was too terrible. much for too terrible. long. Terrible. Yeah, but it looks terrible, but I'm not talking about no, what the result. No, even at the time, it was, it what was the result is. contract. Shabbat, I'm surprised by that you've got him on this list mm-hmm. with, uh, with I hadn't, Colin White. Yeah, because I hadn't seen, like, he was more important. Yes. To and get st- done. And still is. And, and he's still a very good player. He's still a good player. He's not quite what we thought he might be. If he starts playing defense, he'll be a lot better. <laughs> but. And especially now, if he's going to be, by all accounts, your number two lefty, right. perhaps by as soon as. And if Christmas, you, if you like, can put a real good, consistent, stay-at-home guy with him, consistent partner all the time. That's the one thing I think Thomas Shabbat has been, uh, that's been taken from him, is he's never had, like, th- this steady, legitimate... He had some time with Zub. 
So when did Artem Zub become everyone's darling that everyone thinks Artem Zub is the greatest hockey player as a fifth or sixth defenseman in the world? Stop it. And I want, uh, here's where I'm going to start. Stop, stop telling me <laughs> that a fifth or sixth defenseman is the reason why other people, like when people come in, it's like Volchenkov. Volchenkov came in, he didn't talk to the media, and he hit hard. Yeah. We love him. Sure. He's amazing. <laughs> Actually, he's just average, and he hits a lot, but you love him because he doesn't talk. Artem Zub, he blocks some shots, and he doesn't talk. Well, that was the other thing about Volchenkov, too. Was sure, and he blocks it, yeah. yeah. So, Which means he never had the puck. Correct. <laughs> so I'm not completely crapping on Zub. But the hype train on these average guys that people just get behind is incredible to me. Stop it, folks. <laughs> Stop it. Okay? So, Tom, okay. So, but my whole point here well, is that. I just, no, I'm, hold on. Hold I'm on. I'm going to get to my point. So, the Colin White and Thomas Shabbat mm-hmm. contract. Can you me here or should I go sit in the kitchen? No, you can <laughs> just grab me another beer when <laughs> you're there. It'd be good. <laughs> Or sorry, grab the one that I brought you. Yeah. And then you have that one too. All right. Those two guys set the table for other people, better people to want to be here and to want to sign and be this collective group. Yeah. Now, Brady Kachuk is the linchpin for all of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that they got fortunate that he fell to number four, but then he wanted to come and he wanted to be a culture Difference. Well, maker. I remember how pissed people were when they took him over, right. like Philip Zadina or whatever. And Who's now back, on to another team. Like literally left, the, like just like, no, I don't want your money. I'll just go somewhere else. I, it just. Okay. So Kachuk's the most important signing. Yeah. But if they hadn't signed White and Shabbat and then Kachuk signs, now you're starting to get this group together. Yeah. And all of a sudden Norris comes in and Norris's buddies and, and and he gets done and then Stutzla gets done and now Jake Sanders and they all want to be a part of this group. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they dumb luck fell into this or the fact that they were smart enough to be able to do it. I think there's some of both in there. But when they started to sign those guys long-term and they started to set the standard for their organization that this is what people make and this is what the top guys make and you're not going to come in and make more, but we can give you – if you're one of those core guys, we'll give you equal and you can all do this together. All our top guys are around eight. Nobody's getting 10, 11. And 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 Sanderson would have got that if the culture – of the market in Ottawa. If he had gone out and had another great year this year, he probably could have got himself into that. He, No one else in the league would have given him 10, 11 million this, this summer. This bet? summer? No yes. Ch- no chance. Okay. After 77 games? Yes. No. You're talking about Kirill Kaprizov coming in at around nine. Like, How, how long did it take like, Kale McCarr for the Avalanche to figure out that that was like a... They um, came out of university the one year, played the next year, and they locked him up. But he he's at 9-5. Right. Well, that's not 10 or 11. It's more than eight, and they yeah, did course. it after one year. I'm just saying, is that no not, one is, this summer. But is no that one, not one of the best deals ever, too? Of course. Okay. That's going so, to, especially with the cap. That's the guy got a million and a half more than Sanderson after his first year, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But do you disagree that he's probably a million and a half better than Sanderson? But at the time, did they know that? Ask me in another year or two whether he's that much better than 
Jake I, Sanderson's going to be one of the best National Hockey League players. I agree players. with that, but I don't think he's going to be Kale McCarr. Okay. Yeah. But, but you, I agree he'll be a but top. But you've seen more of top, Kale McCarr. Yeah. And you didn't... Tell me you watched the first 77 games of Kale McCarr straight I through. did not miss a Colorado Avalanche game that year. That You're was. a liar and a fibber, but that's okay. That's true. Uh, so for us to be able to sit here and go, well, I knew Kale McCarr because I watched all of his first 77 games. Yeah. The number I, seven defenseman on the world junior team. I bet you it'll be almost exactly... I think the this is a good deal. This is a great deal. This is one of the I, I best deals the, ever. Wow. I just don't think you can say that yet after 77 games because I just right did. now I know you did, but you're crazy sometimes, man. You come in here and you're you're just throwing bombs all over the place. Is right it a now, bomb to say that right Jake's going to be one of the numbers, best players? His that, numbers are comparable to Tyler Myers. He played on a crappy, crappy so Tyler team. Myers, the Buffalo Sabres of 2008 or whatever. Like, did was that you good? watch Tyler Myers in his first year? I watched, and did you think he was amazing? No. That's what I'm suggesting to you now is that this, in my opinion, in all likelihood, will turn out to be a good deal for the Senators. But it is not unheard of for guys to arrive in the league, have a killer rookie year, and then never produce that again. Have a sophomore slump, sort of rebound from that, but never quite to what you were. That's not unheard of. And so while I personally believe this is a reasonable gamble, this is the right move for the Sens. Because sometimes it's hard for the Sens to get people to want to come here. It's hard for the Sens to get people to want to stay here. If you if you jump early and you get them to commit, you're now in control. But this isn't a 100% slam dunk. It's more like 70-30. So what you're doing right now, and I appreciate that, mm-hmm. is you're talking in generalities. You're talking in averages. I'm not you're talking. I'm giving it, you two specific names. No, but you're talking about them. mass. Like, this is what usually happens with a guy who comes in and is really good in his first year, and then he has a sophomore slump. Does that happen? What you just said is factually true. 100%. 100%. That ain't Jake Sanderson. I can tell you that. Okay. This is one of the most special people that I've seen in a long time. Long time. So I think he's different than the rest of the group that you're talking about with these people who come in. I've and they only flash. given you two names. Kale McCarr, mm-hmm. who took off from that point, was incredible. And Tyler Myers, who never hit that again. Went downhill mm-hmm. every year from there. So both of those outcomes are on the table. I'm saying... I'm glad I, you didn't bring up Jared Cowan. That makes me happy. No. Well, they didn't have... No one offered Jared Cowan eight years <laughs> What, what they offer him, six? They gave him six? I don't even know. He ended up as part of the Dion Phaneuf trade playing for the Marlies later. I know. I think so. they gave him six and it was like, oh. Yeah. Even I liked Jared Cowan at the time and it was like, oh. I, I think this is a good bet for the Sens. But it's, it. I'm just saying, it's not guaranteed that he continues to just take off from here. Okay. That's all. But no player I is. I would have taken this risk too, especially in the position the Sens are in. Yeah. No player is. No. And he's probably in the 1% of like that will and it's almost like, make it assuredly if he doesn't Even in my opinion, where I'm saying this might not be as great as everyone says, at worst, at worst, he's a second pair defenseman. And if the cap's going to go up four and a half million this year and another four or five the year after and then steadily up after that, this $8 million contract within three years feels like what, like a five or six million dollar contract so right do you now? Think right he'll, now n- he'll be worth that all do, day. Do you like, think he's the best defenseman on the Sens right now? Yes. 
a head of Shabbat, a head of yep. Chikrin. Yep. I'm not as sold on Shabbat as a lot of people, just okay. because he's struggled a bit lately. So, Chikrin I like, but if they're going to make him play out of position, uh, it'll be fine. But I, I think you're asking a lot of that guy. I think Jake Sanderson, if not right now, by Christmas, will be the best defenseman on the Sens. Okay, I think he is the best defenseman yeah. on the team right now. I'm trying to think of other guys that I would put him... Like, the guy's probably a top five or top ten defenseman in the league right now. Sanderson? Yeah. You've got Jake Sanderson as a top five defender in the league right now. Okay, I'll We're say top ten. Okay. I said top five or top ten. I know you did, but so I'm going to take the one. No, no, I'll say ten. Okay, I'll say top ten. Yeah. All right. Top ten defenseman in the league right, he, even right if now. That, if he turns out to just be that, like the number ten defenseman in the league for mm-hmm. the next eight years, nine years... This is a great contract. It's a great contract. It's a great contract. Because I look around at other teams and I go, how many teams have a defenseman that's better than that guy? Are we actually doing this or are we just... Yeah. All right. Well, Pittsburgh's got Carlson. Just put up 100 points. So you'll give them uh, Fox, Bacar. No, 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 no. We're off to a bad start, you and I. Uh, Adam Fox isn't nearly the defenseman you that Jake Norris Sanderson Trophy is. winning Adam Fox is not nearly a defenseman that... You're not going to you're not going to use the best offensive defenseman trophy as the, your example for best defenseman, are I'm you? Saying it's relevant? No, it's not. Of course, it's relevant. It's absolutely not. What what guy that puts up a hundred? You don't points think Adam Fox like, belongs ahead of Jake Sanderson right now in no, the conversation? No. If I had That's a choice, ridiculous. okay. If you had a choice of one or the other to have on your Adam team, Fox. okay, and you're wrong. <laughs> Like you're, you have not watched enough New York Rangers okay. games to know what that guy is in his own end. It's not very good. So stop being like this. Is where well, people that's get your poster child bedazzled for by off. by points. I mentioned Eric Carlson defenseman. in the same sentence, and you chose Adam Fox as the guy who's too offensive and not defensive enough. I don't even know if I agree with Carlson being better than Jake Sanderson. Okay, but Hedman, Heiskanen, he- Hedman, yes, Heiskanen for sure. Heiskanen might have been the best right. defenseman in the league last year. Right now, today, yes, I'll give you that. Yeah. Makar. Yeah. Start, These guys are right there. Starting to struggle. Okay. Well, we're somewhere in Morgan there. Morgan Riley? To, no. Okay. I just wanted to ask. I know. You wanted to poke the bear and see what happens. No, I'm not an idiot. I'm not. <laughs> I just wanted to ask it. I just wanted to see if you would tell if me I that Morgan Riley no. is better than No, he's not. Okay. So, so Jake Sanderson, top 10 More defenseman. Insider. What's that? More insider? No. Not right now. No. Rookie of the year? Worth nothing to you? Rasmus uh, Dullian? About to get 10 and a half for... Uh, for yeah, but he deserves it because he's played. He, he kind of came off as not a bust, but not a number one overall until last year. Last year he explodes yeah, but, and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'll take my 10 and a half million now. And, right. That's why I can't believe they got Jake at eight. Because in a couple of years... He was at five, wasn't he? What's that? Wasn't he at five? What do you mean? Oh, sorry. Jake at Sanderson. Eight, yeah, 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 yeah. At eight million. I was thinking at fifth overall. I, no, no, no. At it's eight my million? Mistake. You're right, you're right. Uh, like, in a couple of years, he's going to be worth way more than that. I think that's so, very much on the table. That I is, think that's more likely than than him being a bust. 100%. This, I'm just presenting the other side yep. of the argument. And you're good at it. I know. Well, sometimes. Not yeah. in this case. <laughs> but uh, Adam Fox. Oh, that's such a terrible example. Uh, Charlie McAvoy. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You don't have Charlie McAvoy in the conversation. I with don't Jake have Sanderson. him near Jake Sanderson. Come on, man. No, I don't. 
Wow. All right. What I do have yeah, okay. is faith that this group is going to be a lot better. The Stutzla and the Sanderson contracts, Senator fans should just be. Yeah, if the, Stutzla is going to do what he did last year for the next eight years, that also is a steal of a contract. A it's incredible what they've done to be together as a group. And that's the risk all the time. Jump early, get them for cheap. If it doesn't work out, you look like an idiot. Yeah. If it does, you look like a goddamn Yeah, and, that, and look, we just mentioned, right? Jared Cowan, Colin White yeah. are two examples that they gave six-year deals yeah. with, and it didn't work. Um, who's the other uh, Colin Greening? Yes. Another Marley legend. Yes. They jumped on him <laughs> early. Let's yeah. give him a big, oh, look what he can do. And yeah, right. that didn't Oops. work out very well. So- of course, there are examples of jumping on a guy too early. I just think that this is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> in, I, and in, in that Sanderson. regard, I think I've said, I agree. With, I would also have made this bet if I was the Ottawa Senators, right? Because it is harder to get guys to come here. It is harder to get guys to commit. If he's willing to take this number for eight years, you do that, right? I, mm-hmm. I think this is a smart bet, but uh, it's not without risk. And that was my only point. There, yep. So ready for another beer? Yes. Yeah, all right. Fuck you. Let me see you. Fuck you. Fuck Let me see you. Fuck you. All right. Let's get back into it. You've brought a couple new things in here. I brought something else in here that you've uh, that you've brought for me. What do we got going on on your side of the table, there, man? Well, on my side of the table, <laughs> man. There's a lot going on. There is a there is a lot going on. <laughs> Because first of all, I had not tried, and I had wanted to, the 40 Creek Nanaimo Bar yes. cream. Yeah. And I've had maple creams mm-hmm. before. I, I can just, smell that Nanaimo Bar one wafting across the table. I just it's bought gorgeous. a butter tart cream, which I really like, but I picked <laughs> this one up about three times and then put it back. Okay. So the fact that you had it, and I would just have a little taster here. Yeah. I'm it, very excited about this. So Nanaimo Bar, for sure, my favorite kind of sweet tooth dessert, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so when that popped up, I grabbed a few bottles of it at the time and you just sort of steadily work through it, especially this time of year. Like over the summer, I don't really have it out as much. Yeah. But now that In it's the winter starting fall, to cool off yeah. a little, it's it's gorgeous. And man. when it's amazing, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> uh, I'd never been to... Vancouver Island about two years ago, mm-hmm. right around this time, and was in Nanaimo. So you have to go get a Nanaimo bar from Nanaimo, of course, yeah. right? Best one I've ever had. Yeah. Oh my 100%. God, it was good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've never been able to do that. I did also have somebody get me, I can't remember the brewery now, but a couple of years ago, somebody put out a, in these big quart bottles, Nanaimo bar stout. And it turned out to be a pretty nice stout. But See, it, I w- it but didn't it's have like any, 15 bucks. It was expensive and it was a bit of a bummer because it didn't taste as Nanaimo bar as, as that, right? That, uh, 40 Creek that you've got across the table. Well, it, well then it, I'm not paying. That's good. I'm glad that you it didn't have that. anywhere near the Nanaimo bar flavor that you'd hope. Can now, I just it's t- a thoughtful gift? Someone who knows I love craft beer and, and Nanaimo bars, Exactly. but, but it just, eh, it wasn't coming through. There's a brewery out in Vancouver, speaking of, and I took a picture the other day because this was their list. Okay. Like when you go in, yeah, this is their list. They have uh, eight beers on tap. 
orange creamsicle ale. Okay. Peach cobbler ale. <laughs> okay. Toasted coconut stout. Mm-hmm. Peach mojito pilsner. Wow. James and the Giant Peach Pilsner, a bylaw lager, a Bloody Mary Pilsner, and a spicy dill pickle IPA. That last one's intriguing for sure. I don't know if it sounds good, but it's intriguing. There's a lot going on at that brewery. <laughs> I like Stor- it. Take storm, some risks. Take yep. a swing. Storm brewing. Okay. Anyway, I just... I, if you're listening out in PC. I think... That stuff is really interesting yeah. to me. Okay. It's like, that's what you're doing? Okay, you're doing something different. As yep. you said, you're taking a risk. Sure. Like I'm taking a risk, professional segue, mm. my Lake of Bays one mystery beer, mystery beer one, and it literally nowhere on the can tells you anything about the beer. So this comes from our friend Angela Thompson from the Lake of Bays Brewing Company who has been in here a couple of times uh, to talk a little beer and talk about what Lake of Bays has going on. And one of the times she was in, she brought, uh, it was like a holiday pack and it had five beers. So this needs to be drank quickly because it came in November or December from last year. Yeah, Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it was about nine, okay. 10 months ago, probably. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, also mm-hmm. came with a pair of socks, mm-hmm. holiday socks, which was... <laughs> uh, it, so, but there was like five or six different mystery beers and at the time i'm sure it said on the box what they were and this uh, they all i thought got drank but that one has been pushed into a nowhere on the can i've studied the can unidentifiable uh what's happening over there so you have a mystery beer from the lake of bays brewing company which uh should be fascinating and you've brought me something else a second beer here as well i brought you a white water yes because we talked about the the merger merger a white water brewing Pumpkin Spice Espresso Porter. Okay. See, I'm super intrigued by this. Love a porter. Love an espresso porter. Have never obviously tried. Uh, a little pumpkin spice. A little pumpkin spice the in the porter. Right. And it is that time of year, right? We are doing the, the pumpkin spice exactly. thing now. We are into fall. Uh, it didn't feel like it last week. It, it might feel like it this week, I guess, uh, if we're on pace. But uh, from Whitewater, they make, uh, they have, I think it's a peanut butter shake stout. Yep. Yep. Incredible. Yeah, it's great. Incredible. So I'm really interested to try this one. Okay. Meanwhile, this Lake of Bay's mystery one, I'm taking my first sip. I don't even know what it is. I feel like it's a Pilsner. <laughs> feel, yeah. I mean, it's got a, little, a couple of citrus notes to it, but thank God it's not an IPA because I'm not an IPA person. Right. That's all I was hoping for. Open it. Hope it's not an IPA. Well, maybe we'll send a, a photo of it to Angela. She'll be able maybe to uh, to tell us what it was you drank here on the show. It's definitely not an IPA. Okay. Which is. This is a pumpkin spice forward, you'd say. More than anything else, right up front, pumpkin spice is it's what's coming through. And, and that's fine. That's what it says on the With can, a little right? espresso. It's in there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh but I would say that's sort of secondary or coming just after. Like when you first put that on your palate, it's pumpkin spice first, then the espresso. It's kind of Well, nice, read so. the beer. It says pumpkin spice espresso. in big letters yeah. and then underneath espresso Fair porter. Enough. That's true. So yeah. I feel like at least They've they're been branding. They've yeah. yeah. they, They're telling you what they're coming with. So uh, I like this. I wanted to ask your opinion 
on this week's announcement of the 2023 Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And I was reading about this a little bit, the the hall itself has has moved around a little bit. It's been Mm -hmm. in Calgary, uh, it's over in Gatineau, Uh, but the group... Headlined by a couple of big names and then some names that people won't be quite as familiar with. But one of the reasons to ask your opinion on this is I know you're a curling guy. Mm -hmm. I don't have the background on that. Uh, I don't know how much you follow MMA. I'm all in on that. But Mm -hmm. depending on your point of view, I suppose you'd say the headliners, the big name this year would be Virtue and Moyer, right? The the Canadian figure skating duo uh, pile of medals from Olympics and and world championships, Uh, GSP is is going in Randy Furby and his crew. It's not a crew. What do they call it? Is it a team? Squad? It's a curling team. <laughs> Curlings. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no, we're off to a good start here. And a name that isn't going to get anywhere near the respect, but uh, Danielle Pierce, a mm-hmm. wheelchair basketball player who has uh, got a, uh, a world championship gold medal and a world championship MVP as well as a Paralympic bronze medal. It's an interesting group. Uh, which ones jump out to you the most? Uh, what are you taking away from, from this year's class of, of 2000? Well, I love the fact now that the halls in Gatineau. Yeah. Like that's cool. Yep. Um, in this group, certainly the most, um, with Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore, the. That's uh, Tessa Virtue Riley. That's her uh, official name now. Right. Congrats to Mo. Yeah, I wouldn't say congrats to her. So yeah, you're right. Congrats to, <laughs> to Mo. Morgan Riley. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but when you think of figure skating, I think in this country, previously you thought of, you know, some of the greats from the '70s and the '80s, and even into the '90s a little bit. Sure. But, but there's a lot there, right? Yep. And then it kind of dried up, and both of these. Especially when our darlings from 2002, half of them went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if you understand their story, Virtue and Moyer with like how they got there and, and having to be a team and some of the things that were going on in their personal lives and them kind of putting them aside when it counted the most. They didn't always put it aside, but when it counted the most, they were there. Yeah. And... I think they're one of the most, not the most famous, but the most, should be one of the most celebrated um, athletes because of what they've had to give up. I've always uh, such a massive appreciation for the people that compete at Olympic Games and do things like this for a living. Like number one, and I know judging has improved, yeah, but I've come around on it a little bit, but I was like, in the 1% of, I don't care what sport it is, if it's judged and I don't know whether I'm going to, I don't know whether I'm going to finish sixth or first based on your opinion, I don't want to watch it. Right. And that included figure skating and synchro, and all, yeah, swimming all, yeah. and, and diving and yep. all of these things that were like, feels like you've Gymnastics. just decided who's yeah. going to be in the top 10 and just maybe who's going, better eh, on that day. I didn't like that one. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we know who the best three or four people in the world are. Who's better on that day? We'll just pick. Yeah. That's how it felt. Yeah. And so. Well, in 2018, the big story there was obviously Virtue and Moyer and uh, mm-hmm. just countless 
people going off on how they'd been screwed and it ends up being a tie and it's a, a but just but how those things are handled yes ends up being what's remembered yep no 100% and that's, agree and that's, with you on and that. that's where and why they should be there yeah and i remember at the end because figure skating is still fairly bourgeois maybe a little bit at the end after the competition there's a it's just skate for fun, skate for the judges. It's almost like an, uh, you know, like a reception. But some of the stars will still skate, even though it's not really for anything anymore. And the winter of 2018 was right after Gord Downey's passing, right. and they skated to long time running. And oh, that got old Matt a little verklempt as a big tragically hip guy, right? Got mm-hmm. up early in the morning. Well, no, stayed up late, whatever it was, 1 a.m. or because it was in Korea those games, and and watching that performance was was incredible. The, the other big story from those games featuring these two is Moy- uh, Tessa Virtue sort of disappeared, but Scott Moyer was showing up everywhere just pinned, right? <laughs> like he was at the women's hockey Having a great game, time. Just two beers all the time. Like people don't understand, like these people work for four years, not a carb to be found, not an alcoholic beverage <laughs> to be seen. When that four-year cycle is over and you've skated your last skate, the way those people unwind sometimes is incredible. Yeah. And Scott Moyer was at every event that a Canadian was in with a beer in each hand. And you're just like, that's just your average Canadian guy who happens to be able to skate right. incredibly. Yeah. Right. So and how could you blame him? Um, right. <laughs> very, so I've always admired uh, those two. And again, I think I admire them more because they, they weren't always perfect. No. And they persevered as two people that had to be successful as one. And that's not easy, especially when like you're not in a relationship, but you are in a relationship. Yeah. Can you have other relationships? Like I see this person every day. Your whole life is taken up by this. Yeah. And for what? Yeah. For what? Like you're not making Jake Sanderson money. You're not (laughs) doing all this other stuff. So I, I have a ton of respect. Uh, for them in that way. So Randy Furby yeah. in curling, when men's curling got to a point where it started to be a lot more competitive, it actually would have grown, this is going to be a compliment, <laughs> it would have grown faster if Randy Furby wasn't a part of Alberta really? for that long. Yeah, um, And the reason is, is because there were so many great curlers in Canada that would end up losing to Randy Furby. Right. And it just seemed like curling wasn't growing because Randy Furby and Alberta would just dominate. <laughs> but that's how good he was. Canada was getting so much better. Right. But he was just a little bit, and his team was just a little bit better. Yeah. Um, it, one of the greatest ever. And he was very, some people were, you know, you had Ed Wernick and Russ Howard and, and some of the, the more eclectic um, eclectic is a good word. Eclectic. <laughs> but Randy Furby was never that way. Randy Furby, you know, kind of put a handle on things and, yeah. and he, he, he got a little steamed if something happened, but like he was just kind of the, the measuring stick. Loved watching Randy Furby curl. Loved it. And I, I don't, until someone digs into his collection mm-hmm. and what his career was all about. I don't think they understand how good he was, but I'm glad he's being recognized. 
for sure. And then yeah, you, I'm a huge MMA guy. One of the and just it was you can talk about that. Yeah. One of the the biggest interviews I had very very early. I was doing Sunday Best with uh, Angry L, if you remember him. <laughs> Uh, who was a, a truck driver at a Winchester that was friends with Jim Jerome and ended up being on the radio because of it. Right. But he knew somebody who knew somebody who got GSP on with us, like, I don't know, 03, 04. So before he's exploded. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I remember thinking one of the first times, like, don't fuck this up. Don't. <laughs> Like it's Sunday morning. Don't fuck. This is huge. Yeah, to get GSP on. Right, and it was awesome. Yeah, and, and he's one of those guys. You know, if you if you're into MMA, he's never been what Conor McGregor is. He's never been John Jones in terms of flying off at the mouth to sell fights. Right, like a great talker who's all kind, all about the chirps, and mm-hmm. and and it feels like these guys hate each other. This guy was a true martial artist that just, no, I, I just show up and I fight. And if somebody goaded him, like, yeah, now and then he'd, he'd fire back and whatever. But he didn't sell his fights based on hatred, right, and animosity and like, oh, my God, these guys are going to kill each other. He sold his fights on this guy might be the best in the world right now. It was always sort of through through his prime. It was him and Anderson Silva that were sort of mm-hmm. in the conversation for that goat, you know, uh, you know best pound for pound fighter. And he would just go in and he often got criticized for not finishing fights, but it was because he would just get in and sort of dominate. He'd be on top of you the whole time. You'd, he'd never let you have a real great shot at him. The only real shocking loss in his career was to Matt Sarah, where he dropped the welterweight title. He immediately came back, dominated that guy. I was in Montreal when he returned from a big injury to fight Carlos Condit for the mm-hmm. title. By far the loudest building I've ever been in for any sporting event, the passion that Quebec had for, for GSP. And I got, I got swept up a little in the joie de vivre, right? With the Olays and everything, which I never thought would be my, uh, right. my bag, but just incredibly talented. There was talk briefly in 2012 that he might step away from MMA because the Canadian Olympic wrestling team was trying to get him to, to join them for the Olympics in London. Like that's how gifted he was in that area as well. So and just an incredibly deserving class and uh, GSP, obviously a, a big part of it. The only guy who's ever won Sportsnet's Canadian Athlete of the Year two years in a row was uh, was GSP. So the just one, a hell of a career. Yeah. Amazing fighter, amazing yeah. representative of, of this country in, again, such a... The sport is crazy because of how much work goes into a very short amount of time. Yep. It's a four-month training camp for a 20-minute fight. Right. <laughs> if it goes 20 minutes. Right. I never, and this may, might be another conversation that you and I could have. Mm-hmm. I've never understood, and I never did, being, I would call myself a casual MMA, but during certain points, like a, I guess, a very dedicated casual. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I wasn't, I never claimed to be, you know, a lot of guys know and girls know a lot more about it than I do, but- there was a point where I followed it quite closely yep. and I never criticized and I never even understood the thought of why people got criticized hmm. for not winning in a certain way. Right. Cause it would be like, okay. There are options the, here. The Sens win 
one nothing, but they only give up seven shots on goal, or they win six five and give up fifty six shots on right. goal. Two points uh, is two points. Like you, yeah. If you can win one nothing and give up seven shots the on goal every game, just to win, yeah, just win. So, so GSP. He could choke someone out, he could knock someone out, or he could go to the judges after five rounds and have been on top of that guy the entire time and win that way. Like I just never, GSP aside, I've never understood the theory of why someone would be criticized win. for win. winning, but not spectacularly. Yeah. Like if you're not doing it as fight of the night, I know that Dana White gives out fight of the night yeah. money and all that stuff. Who cares? Like at that point. If you're looking for fight of the night and not looking to just continue to win and dominate your craft, yeah, you're in it for the wrong reason. Well, and GSP still holds the record for most successful title defenses, most wins in title fights. So as you suggest, nobody really cares how you win those. Just win them. Would you go and back and go, oh, well, he sat on top of a guy for <laughs> four rounds and... I'm telling you though, to, to be in the building after, for his return in, in the Bell Center, yeah, incredible. Like perhaps the coolest sporting event I've ever been to. Just the people there love GSP. That's awesome. It was so cool. So uh, congratulations to everybody in that class, the uh, Canadian Sports Hall of Fame 2023. Uh, why don't we talk a little about, as you and I sit here right now, the NFL dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. is underway. Um, a fascinating game Thursday night between Kansas City and Detroit. Um I think a lot of people thought Detroit would be better this year. I'm not sure they predicted. Like, Detroit over Kansas City on night one ruined a lot of survival pools <laughs> right off the hop. Yep. Uh, but as we sit here now, there are games going on. We're going to get you home in time for, for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm curious, though, just overall around the league, through the first couple of weeks, what the main storylines are that you'll be keeping an eye on. What what What's got your attention as we kick off another season in the NFL? Well, a couple of things, and... I don't know if I thought that Kansas City was the best team in the NFL last year, but you know they got through a couple of tough games, and um, certainly what happened, you know, in the Buffalo Cincinnati game, yes. ended up kind of altering what I think might have happened. But yeah, the Demar Hamlin but, situation. Yeah, yeah, but they won the Super Bowl, and yeah. and good for them, especially over the Eagles, which like just I wanted them to win eighty four <laughs> to nothing. But um, so. When I came into this year, I'm like, once again, I think that there are probably, I don't know, six to eight teams that I could tell you I think can win the Super Bowl. Could you expand it to 10? Maybe. But to me, it's always the health of the quarterbacks and it's the health of the star players because if you don't have, and good for Detroit coming back to beat Kansas City, who mm-hmm. didn't have any of their receivers and... Um, Chris Jones. They didn't have Chris Jones either. And uh, Look, I've come to appreciate in covering football and, and watching football my whole life and have it be my number one sport that there is no sport that I don't hold any grudge against any player ever for holding out to get more money. Because their careers could be over in an instant. Yeah. And. Well, in the NFL, especially no guaranteed contracts, get as much as you can when you can. You You have to. You have to. And if you're the best, you have to do it. Yeah. Don't care if it's your favorite team or the team you hate the most. Capture the bag. Don't ever 
criticize those guys yep. because they have to do it. They have to. So, but some of the big things for me, as I look to the AFC and I think of all of the talent and what the NFC doesn't have and what the AFC does have, yeah. it turns into, okay, I can't wait to watch the AFC, but who in the NFC is going to pick up and go, you know what? We are that team. We are the team that's going to challenge Philadelphia. We are the team. Is it San Francisco? Feels like it could be. Yeah. I more hope it can be Dallas than think it can be, but there just aren't that many very good teams in. Do you believe in Brock Purdy? Are you are you sold on that? What I do believe in is when your team is. I equate the quarterback in football sometimes to a goalie in hockey where the Colorado Avalanche won the cup. Was Darcy Kemper good? Right. I guess. He was fine. He was, yeah, he was enough. He was, he was there. <laughs> yeah. he, di- he didn't. He didn't kill them. He didn't cost them. Right. And I think if you have such a good team around you, that's what the quarterback yeah. can be. He either has to be your best player, like Mahomes, that can make something out of nothing at any point at sure. any time and change a game, or... You have so good around him. They're so good around him that just don't screw it up. Just do the job. Just Just service everybody else. Am I sold on Brock Purdy being the guy who can change a game? No. I think I, unfortunately, I hate to say that I'm, I think he's good enough. San Francisco is so talented that I think he's good enough to take that team really far. Because I don't think he has to be great. No. In, in any particular game. So that's what, who else in the NFC is going to step up and go, we're the team that w- you're going to be talking about when it comes down to the NFC championship game. Because right now, if you asked any football fan, they would have Philadelphia and San Francisco once again yeah. scheduled in the NFC championship game. Yeah. So then tell me which team and give me some reasons why somebody else is going to replace one of those teams. I don't have it. I, I, well, the answers to me are probably Detroit and Dallas. So, like, Detroit looks good enough to win their division. I don't know if they're good enough to win a conference, right? Like, because their division doesn't look great. Like, I agree, but then if you win your division yeah, you're, you're and you the host mix. a game, you're in the mix. And all you got to do is win a couple of games. Yeah. And I, I guess. Jared Goff, I think, is a different quarterback than he's been in years past, and their their weapons are, are great. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that whether they got it or not, that Dan Campbell faked the punt inside his own yeah. 20 on the second drive of the season. Ballsy play, man. <laughs> second drive of the season. I, and I don't care that it worked. Yeah. Doesn't, I wouldn't have criticized the guy one second if it didn't work. You're a Cowboys guy. You, you've got them in the mix here. What do you like? What yeah. do you think of what they've done here over the offseason? I, right? I think they're really good. Yeah. They're, they're the team that everyone loves to crap on, of course. a la the Toronto Maple Leafs, sure. that... You know, as a Leaf fan, you actually know how talented they are and that they're they're a pretty good team, but they need to show it when it counts. Yep. So Dallas is the Toronto Maple Leafs for sure in that way mm-hmm. where they are super talented. They brought in Brandon Cooks to be their their opposite guy to CeeDee Lamb, and they have Michael Gallup who had a down year who I think is a hell of a receiver. Right. And now he's going to be challenged by Brandon Cooks to be the number two guy, which I think will push him. 
I think Dak is coming into a year where he needs to play well in big moments. It's I don't care what he does. They're good enough to be a playoff team. They sure, if yeah. if they're not a playoff team, Mike McCarthy will be fired before the season's over. And yeah. that's so they're good enough to be a playoff team. And then when they get there, can Dak perform? That that is the question with them. And I don't know the answer. I'd like to think so because I think he's a good human being. I think he does all the right things. I think he's capable, but I have seen him freeze up. I don't care. A lot of people point out the picks, the interception numbers. Yeah. And if you actually go back and watch the interceptions, most of them for him, and I can't say this about other quarterbacks because I don't watch every single pick of every single quarterback, Mm -hmm. but I do watch Dax and his numbers were greatly inflated by either like hitting guys in the numbers and it would bounce up into the air because they didn't catch it yeah, and somebody else picks it off yeah. or like legitimately receivers getting chewed out when they get to the sideline because they ran the wrong route and he threw it exactly where it was supposed to be. They just weren't there. Right Now, a couple of them he's not great at. So he needs in a big moment to be a little bit better. Uh, they get rid of Zeke. They bring in Tony Pollard to be their number one guy, Canny. I think so, but I'm not sure. And I think their defense is even better. And I think their offensive line is even better. I think they're a really good team. But until they show you that they're a really good team, it's it's the same thing as me crapping on the Lions all the time. Sure. I crap on it because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but because they've never won a big game or they've never met a big game that they've won in their life. Right. But they're a good team. Sure. It's to watch them and to understand what they were at the end of last year. But you know me. I'm a little bit of – I'm a very optimistic, hopeful Cowboys fan where sometimes I see too much good and not enough bad. I it, think that's most fans, right? When well, no. It's like Ian Mendez is the is the worst Cowboys fan I've ever met in my <laughs> entire life. Bar none, never met somebody worse in my life. As a Cowboys fan, not as a person, but yeah. as a Cowboys oh, yeah. fan, I want to be clear sure. before you headline, Ian Mendez is the worst person no, ever. Um, Damn it. Ian Mendez is the greatest person ever, but he's the worst Cowboys fan ever because every single solitary game, it's like, I don't know, they're playing Houston. Right. Oh, they're going to lose this game, Lee. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're going to lose. <laughs> they're going to, you're going to watch the, the state rival walk in and beat up the Cowboys. And then the Cowboys beat them 40 to three. And then it's like <laughs> nothing, right? He, he, he won't say anything. I'm too optimistic, but I love me some hate watching. Yeah. So got a great list for you this year. Okay. And, and, uh, and let me, let me take a guess and maybe it leans right into my next question. Are you as sold on Aaron Rodgers with the Jets as everyone else? Is that a hate watch hey, for you this year? Hey, Vanessa. Okay. <laughs> Vanessa, I'm talking to you. Vanessa Sanchez. Yeah. I can't wait. She was on here about two weeks ago giving me the, that's my quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And did you hear the non-belief in her voice too? <laughs> I did. Um, there's nobody that I hope goes 0-17 more than Aaron Rodgers and how much he'll blame other people and it'll never be Aaron Rodgers' fault why he went 0-17. It could be a dark retreat for the entire Jets team. Is that what you're suggesting here? I hope that team, like they're coming close to Philadelphia as my most hated team wow. in the world. They've, normally they're too irrelevant to be the most hated team for anybody, but now that but, Rodgers oh, I'm, is in no, the No, I'm right there. I'm, relevant. I, I'm yeah. right there. Okay. And then... Now you start to put some other teams in the mix as well in that category. Yeah. I'm still on, I don't care 
I'm not a bandwagon guy, so I don't care if you're really good or you're really bad. When you're really bad, I don't feel sorry for you if you were an ass before that. So I hope Bill Belichick also, like, I hope the Jets and Patriots tie both times they play and they go 0-16 oh, and 0-15 okay. and 2 each. That's what I hope. Yeah. Because I hope that team loses every game by 48 points. <laughs> yeah, I hate the Patriots. And I'm glad that my team retired that bum Tom Brady so I don't have to hear about that guy anymore. Yes. So that's nice that I don't have to watch that guy. Yeah. I'm excited about You're going to be in trouble at the party you're about to attend here at, at Shride's place. No, I'm never in trouble ever. Oh, anywhere oh, I go. Okay. All right. I hate that guy. Yeah. He's not even playing this year, but. Oh, the Pats in general, I mean, they're, it's a house full of Pats fans. It's No, I know that. It's uncomfortable. But the whole point, though, I is. feel a little bad for the, them. The whole point is that. I actually don't. I'm excited about, I want to see the Bills win. It's hard not to like the Cincinnati Bengals and what they do. And I'm really, really hoping that there's a resurgence for somebody in the division not named Kansas City yeah. or Denver or the Raiders. Still like, got a hate on for Denver. Right? Guess I'm cheering for the Chargers. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, but I think, <laughs> but that's what I love about the NFL. It's never dull. No. Like, are you a Lamar Jackson guy? I feel like the answer could be yes or could be no, but. I don't feel like it's in the middle for a lot of people. And you might be in the middle, but for a lot of people, it's not. Yeah, I'm not. Right. Uh, yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't care which side. It gives on. you something to care about. It gives you a reason to root in that game for somebody, right? Like, right. any time they show up on your TV. Hey, uh, how many people are Deshaun Watson fans? Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> if you're not a diehard Browns fan, if you're a diehard Browns fan, you probably will even you, put up with it, maybe. You're overlooking something. Right. But the rest it, of the, the rest of the league like, goes, I, I used to, when Baker Mayfield won a couple of important games and he was there and the Browns were everything, oh, they're the next team. Right. I hope they lose every game. <laughs> so I got a lot of teams. Yeah. And of course, the Eagles and the Giants and right. whatever Washington's calling their team these days. Yeah, I hope they lose every game too. But well, so last thing on the NFL, I should ask you about what did you think of the the Joe Burrow extension and uh, and his new contract with the Bengals? When you have a star player that's going to make a difference, unless they get injured to the point where they can't, yeah, there isn't enough money in the world to sign those guys. I like just do it. Just I don't. Get it done. I don't even pay attention. Was it 280 yeah. million? I say I don't pay attention, but I do remember. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter to me whether it's 280 or 310 or whatever. The guy deserves it. The guy literally has brought relevant football back to Cincinnati yeah. to make. I was in, no word of a lie, I was in Walmart the other day and I was just kind of roaming around and there was a kid kind of throwing up a football and he's by himself. And his parents were, I think, were over was with his sister. Be honest. Be real. Was it? Are you standing in the toy aisle throwing the ball up? And- oh, dude, I almost climbed a cage to like <laughs> lie on the pillows that were like nine high so I could be in the cage when a worker walked by. I I, I, all, I was climbing. I'm like, ah, this probably isn't, probably isn't a good idea. But I was halfway up the cage. But anyway, he's throwing the football if up If you're wondering what Lee's doing with his days yeah, at this so, point. <laughs> right? Could be Wednesday at one right, o'clock in the afternoon and there I am. <laughs> <laughs> no word of a lie. No word of a lie. So anyway, he's throwing the football up in the air and I'm like, here, pass it. 
And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, throw the ball. <laughs> I don't know how old he is. Yeah. Seven, eight, yeah. maybe. So he throws it, throws a good strike over. Guns one in Yeah, there. I'm yeah. like, oh, nice. Yeah. Throw it back. I'm like, you you play? He's like, yeah, I play for the Kanata, what are the Kanata Knights? Kanata, anyway, sure. I yeah. should know. But yeah. he's like, I'm like, what position do you play? Lots. I'm like, quarterback? He's like, no, they won't let me play quarterback, but mm. I'm a running back and uh, a defensive back. I'm like, so you can run. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so run. <laughs> and he's like, no. I'm like, no. And the guy's like, eight. He's more mature than you at this point. Oh, he's like, no. I'm like, no, seriously, run. So he runs down the aisle and I throw this like bomb of a mini football. <laughs> nice spiral. Down. Yeah. He catches it, yeah. comes back. I'm like, so you have a team? And he's like, oh, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals all day. Think about that. Yeah. Okay. Eight year old kid in Ottawa, Canada. Knows what Cincinnati that is. His That's favorite great. player is yeah. Joe Burrow, and his favorite team is the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Unheard of. So if 5, you, 10, if, 20, if, 30, 40. If you think $280 million is yeah. too much, you are dead ass wrong. It's fascinating, though, to see now the list of like the top 10 highest paid quarterbacks in the league and see you know Mahomes down at like 8, Allen down at like not. Like it just seems like everybody who goes, who has any faith at all mm-hmm. in their quarterback is just like, here, take all the money because. You just you cannot contend without that position. If you think you have that guy, just just pay him. Well, just right? pl- just let's play a game here. Yeah. And you might you're not in the NFL. That's like that's not nope. your number one thing. No, but let's play a game for the audience. Sure. I'm not even going to tell you who, but I'll just give you a list of teams. And if you're listening right now, yeah, I I want you to be honest with yourself, <laughs> okay, and not look it up and just tell me you're a big Doku rules here. You're Don't a, go Google. Yeah, shit. you're a big yeah. sports fan. Yeah, tell me who the quarterback. Of the Houston Texans, the New Orleans Saints, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons. Tell me who the quarterbacks are yeah. for, for those teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just now that Tom's gone. Yeah. You, just go over the list yeah. of who are the quarterbacks. And when you can't come up with them, there's a reason why Joe Burrow is getting two hundred and eighty yeah, exactly. million dollars. That's why. Yeah. And you're right. Sometimes the like the Kirk Cousins thing comes up where he was the next in line. Where did Mayfield end up? Is he in Carolina now? Yeah. Is he in? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why they drafted Bryce Young, who's starting. But okay. yeah, yeah. Um, but the point I'm is, I'm taking my stabs at it. I'm doing my best. I know. <laughs> but the point is, is if you get a guy that's even capable, and unfortunately, this that middle section of the Kirk Cousins, the I don't want to say this hard, Dak Prescotts. Um, the guys that you would consider in that sort of 8 to 12, 8 to 14 range, yeah. if their contract comes up at the right time, they get paid. Yep. Because just, teams just don't want to not be in contention. Got to have a guy. Got to have somebody. Right. Can't risk it. Right. It, it, it. But but the AFC right now is ridiculous, right? I mean, it's you have, you have Allen, you have Tua. You have Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be all right? Who? Tua? Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. So you have those three guys so. in one division. Yeah. In the next division, you still have Herbert, Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You now have Garoppolo, which wasn't there, but they're still going to be a good team. Yep. Uh, Russell Wilson, Herbert, Mahomes, and Garoppolo. Haven't even got to the fact that Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson are playing in the same division. Yeah. And that's all in the AFC. It's crazy. Yep. It's nuts. So and the AFC is going to be fun to watch. The you get those heavy hitter games with the quarterbacks; they're going to be awesome. And uh, as of week one, fourteen 
starting quarterbacks uh, are black. This is an all-time high for uh, for black yep. starting quarterbacks in the league as well. So for a long time, we had a ridiculous misconception that those guys couldn't play quarterback, which was pretty freaking stupid. And uh, it would appear the league is past that now because you got just about half the league. Uh, well, I hope they're past it because that was one of the stupidest yeah, things honestly. ever in the world. Yes. You know what? Let's... Let's have someone that's white, that's been around a little bit longer, that really can't run or pass or right. throw or do anything. Just but, drop back in the pocket and stand But there. he's been <laughs> with us for yeah, three or exactly. four years, and he's he's been there. Instead of giving, I don't know, you know the person who's way better yeah. but happens to be black a chance to be It was one of the, the stupidest guy for misconceptions in sports Honestly. For, on, for decades. I, I, decades. I, I think it's changing, but... It's tough for me to say as a white male that it is changing. Yeah. I hope that it is for the better. And we're watching the best athletes on the field regardless. Uh, as we sit here right now, uh, the Blue Jays are wrapping up this 15-game swing mm-hmm. of useless tits that they were playing against. And they have not dominated the way a lot of people suggested they might have to mm-hmm. to remain in the in the race. I think they're coming into this right now with nine wins. Uh, if they win today uh, on Sundays, you and I are sitting here, it would be 10. Uh, Buck Martinez was on the radio saying if they don't win at least 12 of those 15 games, the race will be over. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, they're actually a game and a half up right now on Texas. Texas coming in here. Who this, by, yeah, I was just going to say, by the way, they start with Texas, right? And yeah. I don't care what they've done till till now. I don't. They're a game and a half up with Texas coming to town. Show me who you are. And that's it. Right now. Like, it's going to come down Show to me this. who you are. You have Texas for four. That's who you're battling with for this final spot. Yeah. And it sort of felt like if they didn't get 10, 11, 12 wins out of these 15 games against the just brutalist part of the... Is brutalist a word? We're going to run with it. Uh, the worst parts... You've heard of, me on the radio, right? I yeah, make up words. <laughs> they're playing Kansas City. They're playing Colorado. They're playing Oakland. And they don't sweep anybody. They're just out there sort of two or three, two or three. And it's fine. But if Texas doesn't fall off a cliff here over the last couple of weeks, it probably wouldn't have been enough. But it turns out it has been. Mm-hmm. They're at least a game and a half up right now. Worst case scenario, starting on Monday against Texas... They are a half game up. If they were to lose here on Sunday afternoon and Texas were to win. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been a tough season to watch. There's been a lot of frustration. But at this point, are you like, how do you feel about this team? Do you still look at this going, yeah, this is clearly a playoff team. And if they got in, they could do some damage. Or is this just, man, extra wild cards leaving room for mediocre teams to hang around a lot longer? Because it sort of feels like that to me right now. So I actually feel right in between. Okay. Um, They've been extremely frustrating to watch. The more that I've watched over the summer, which I've actually, haven't forbid, I've had a little bit more time, so I've been able to watch more games from beginning to end. They're an incredibly frustrating team to watch. Like it... Some some of the time it just drives me bananas. Like even games where normally it'd be like a five nothing loss, you turn it off in the seventh, they like come back and they make it five three and they force you to hang around and still lose, or they blow something like everything about it. But it's been tough to watch. Yeah. Let's get up five nothing against Colorado. Oh, let's find a way to lose. Yeah. Right. Like That's but two errors for four runs. But I'm able now <laughs> where I didn't used to be. Like I think as a fan, like an everyday fan, you're almost too frustrated at this point because You've watched the whole season, and I don't yeah. blame you. 
But if you're able to take a step back and go, okay, as we sit here, they're a game and a half up Mm -hmm. with Texas coming for four. Yep. I feel like they're just starting to play a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. It doesn't mean that they're playing unbelievably. God, Bo's back. I think Flo is my favorite player (laughs) in the last decade. No way. But. Wow. We're talking Batistas and Donaldsons and. Yeah. Okay. I I guess Donaldson probably would have been on that list. Batista was never on the list. You didn't like Batista? Okay. Uh, it's not that I didn't like him. I don't want to say that. Yeah. I did like him. He just wasn't in that like favorite player category. I liked what an asshole he was. Same reason I kind of like Dylan Brooks on the Canadian basketball team. Like everybody hates that guy and I I can relate to that. (laughs) Like being a hateable douchebag. (laughs) I love that guy. (laughs) I'm just so glad you said it. It's how the rest of us have been feeling. Yeah. Yeah, How people feel about me most of the time. But to... If you take a step back and you go, okay, this team's really talented. Mm-hmm. They could be a game and a half up going into the Texas series. Show me who you are. Win the series. Bury them. And bury them. And make sure like people, you're in the playoffs, and now you actually have a little bit of a leeway to to start playing better once, it's, once it comes. Tinker with your rotation, right. too. So into, yeah. they're not in a bad spot. I don't care what you tell me. Yeah. You get they're into not. the playoffs. They're, they're a good enough team. To be able to win games in the playoffs. And what happened last year will help them if they get there. You mean blowing? Yeah, no, I I would, just like you, (laughs) watched every pitch and was like, I don't know how I'm going to get over this one for a while. (laughs) But we're here now, it's September, and they're in a playoff spot, and they have a massive series. Just show us all of this frustration, all of this season. Show us now that you learn from all of the loss against Seattle and the up and down season that now you're in a playoff spot against a team that you could bury to make sure that you're in and make sure that you can change your narrative. Do it. I think what you said a minute ago is so important that you get tied up emotionally in a year's worth of watching this frustration, right? And like over the last six weeks, they're like fourth best in the league in terms of average with runners in scoring position. Right. But all year, the story's <laughs> been that they cannot hit with runners in scoring. So even though now they're hitting like 450 over those last six weeks with runners in scoring, every time they strike out with someone in scoring position, you're like, ah, that's just what they do, right? right. Like it, it, Because you, that's what you are you're programmed you're to think. beaten down. That's what you feel. Yeah. And it, it, it's one of those things that makes baseball so frustrating. As you suggest, every single day, you got to sit down and watch this team. And even if the things that you feel like are happening all the time happen a little less, you've already got four months of evidence that suggest this is what we do. Yeah, and and so. this happens in all sports where a team can get off to a great start in any sport, in hockey. Yeah. You can dominate the first two or three months of the season, yeah. and then you get into January and February, and you're starting to really not play well. Yeah. But people around the league are going, oh, look at that great team. Because you've already got the points because in the bank. Of, yeah. The power play percentage was already high. Exactly. All these and things. you know that your team isn't playing well yeah. as a fan, yeah. but the, other, the rest of the league doesn't. Right. And this, to me, is the story of baseball. Like It's so long that the team, what they were... It's a really good point that you make. In May and June and even July is not the team that they are now. Right. I hope. Yeah. 
we got Ernie Clemente. They're doing things for us. I, I, know. I, don't, I don't know what's and uh, Schneider and like. So again, as we sit here right now. Can we go back to Boston and just relive his time <laughs> at Fenway, please? As we sit here now, by the time the listener hears this, they'll know what's happened in the Sunday games or whatever. But what is your confidence level that this team will be in the playoffs? 90%. Wow. Mine's above 50. I'm not sure it's anywhere close yeah. to 90. No, it's 90. And I, it's for the reasons I just said. They're going to take, the, you got no, the three co- from Texas. The core of the team yeah. went through what happened in the playoffs last year and have been through the ups and downs this year. And I guess I really believe that they're, I've learned from it and realized that they're a better team than that. Yeah. Um, they've gotten decent pitching along the way. Well, they got elite pitching. Yeah. It's just, and so. I don't know. I, yeah, I know. I got them at like fan. 65, yeah. 70%. See, and you're at 50, like two seconds ago. That's good. Just over 50. 50. You said no, just over no, 50. I didn't. When did I say that? What'd you say? I didn't say it. I just said now, 65, 70%. You said, I'm, well, I'm a bit over 50. I don't think I said that. The good listener will. Or the tape will be able to say, <laughs> you said it'd be over 50. Now you're at 60 I'll or 70. I'll that in post, make sure it doesn't air. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> good for you putting in work to edit things. I don't do that. Um, no, I'm, I'm very confident. Again, that's the fan in me, though. Where and then you likely get Minnesota. Like, if you hold that third wild card, like, you don't want to move up to the second wild card. You want to, you want to play that central division dog in the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're better. Like, there's a lot of teams in the American League. I actually think that they're better then, other than a couple of the top ones. Yeah. So just get there. Beat the teams you just should win, beat. baby. No, but beat the teams you should beat and have a chance to beat the elite teams. Yeah, so you got Texas this week, Boston on the weekend, and then you're going to close it out with the Yankees, Rays, Yankees, Rays mm-hmm. down the stretch. So the Rays, better than you. The Yankees, not as good as you. Mm-hmm. If you... If you do your work this week, if you polish off Texas, you really don't, you don't have to have a crazy good record down the stretch. No. You just got to take And the two. confidence if you pound Texas yeah. and if you win three or four. There's nothing better than beating Texas. No. Like if you could be the I, ones who put the nail in the coffin of the Texas it, Rangers. Exactly. And if you beat Texas, I think it'll put a confidence into this team that when they get there, they're going to change the story from last year. Uh, I want to ask you about the mm-hmm. uh, the performance that the Canadian men's basketball team had at the FIBA World Cup. Uh, we'll just hit this quickly as as we wrap up. I did not get up at 4.30 in the morning for the semifinal. Uh, no. And I did not get up at 4.30 for the bronze medal game. I watched every other game, though. Uh, the ones Those 9, 9.30 games, those were nice and easy. Take the iPad and a little breakfast out onto the balcony and, and check that out. But this was for sure a reputation-changing tournament for the Mm -hmm. Canadian men's team who have so many times showed up with better talent than it's usually against the Americas, right? Against Puerto Rico or the Dominican or Brazil or Argentina or whatever, and, and just find a way to lose. And they come to this thing with much better talent, guys committed to getting this done and they go through, they beat, uh, Spain last Sunday in a game, I'm not a huge basketball guy. I was so into this game. It was like, awesome. I was tired. It was a sporting event. It was back and forth. It was two heavyweight boxers trading blows and, and Canada coming out at the end. Uh, they end up losing to Serbia in the semifinal, but then winning the gold medal game or bronze medal game mm-hmm. uh, against the Americans who 
I'm not sure I've ever seen a less talented American team mm-hmm. ent- enter a tournament like this. But what do you take away from this tournament and and what it might mean for the Canadian team heading to Paris now for so, their first time at the Olympics since Sydney 2000? So I'm glad you asked just about the, the last couple because I was reading and listening to all this stuff about what does the bronze medal game against the U.S. mean? And people are, it's like reputation changing when they go to the Olympics, like people will think differently of them if they can beat the U.S. Yeah. I'm like, are you out of your fucking you mind? Are you out of your mind? I'm watching all of this hype train going, this is not real. But what is real is the low against Brazil. Yeah. And the hole that they dug themselves to only climb out of it down 12 after three Twice. quarters. Down 10 at half yeah. to Spain. Come all the way back only to find yourself down 12 at the end of the third. And, and dig and, out both times. And to dig out and win that game after blowing the lead against Brazil. Yeah. Completely, as you said, changes everything about this team. And it does remind me a little bit of the soccer team. Mm-hmm about winning these, like the moments along the way to get to the World Cup, the Davies goal. Yeah, right up the sideline. Right up the sideline against um, Panama. Yeah. The, like jumping in the ice in the snow in Edmonton. (laughs) Ice Teca. (laughs) And most importantly, not being goddamn scared to go to Honduras to not lose 8-1. Right. Honestly. Which we used to love to do. They changed everything. Yeah. And now the Canadian basketball team has their own moment where they changed everything by digging out of that hole against Spain. We're going to look back on this and go, this was one of the biggest moments that unfortunately not a lot of people will talk about. They will talk about it in the future, but yeah. they're not talking about it right now of how big the moment is yeah. that they beat Spain. I don't care what they did against Serbia and the US. I don't, when, when all the players are saying the right things, we've done half of our job. Now the next half is like. Not the job bull, is to qualify. Bull crap. Yeah. Yeah. You qualified for the Olympics and changed the narrative of this team and dug out of a hole against a powerhouse down 12, three quarters after you blew that lead against Brazil. Yeah. Now I'm invested. Yeah. Now I'm in. You're right. They showed so much character. And like, yeah, when we get to to Paris next summer, the American roster won't look anything like what this roster no. looked like. But we, too, get to add Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. probably add Andrew Wiggins, yeah. right? Like Canada will – now, they still won't be as good as the Americans. But that is probably, when you go into Paris, the only team that you would say, for sure, that team is better than Canada. I don't care about the U.S. I care about us and what we haven't done in the past – what we did last week and what we're going to do then at the Olympics for years to come. Right. This is the moment that that, that it changed. Yeah. It's all been lifted off their shoulders. All the blown games in throwaway summer tournaments and where nobody showed up. Guys showed up this time and they will show up for the Olympics. Uh, And they had to take that loss against Brazil. And I watched every interview. Such a frustrating game. And I watched every interview after that said, still believe in us, yep. still believe in us. And you know what? They proved people right. Dylan Brooks was fantastic. Shea Gilgis, oh. Alexander, obviously was fantastic. Nikhil Alexander-Walker off the bench was terrific. Lou Dort 
continues to show up for Canada. Like it's, it's just a fun group to watch, man. Oh. And you add Jamal Murray into that, uh, moving forward. Um, anyway, they've launched it, themselves into a new generation of Canadian basketball yeah. by there that win no against reason Spain. to keep thinking about yep. past blown. No, nope. uh, and I was, it was fun to watch. I was I'm angry. not a basketball guy. I'm honestly not, but I, I watched this. I, I was angry against Brazil. Yeah. I'm glad I had a reason to not be after the Spain game. Yeah. And say what you want about Spain. They're not quite what they used to be, but that's still the number one seed. That's a team oh, that knows yeah. how to play a team game, knows how to play the FIBA international game. They weren't taking on some schlep team no. to go to the Olympics. No. You had to beat a very good program. Yeah. With a lot of... Pro- now, I can only imagine what those final qualifying tournaments... Look like next year around Europe, mm-hmm. Lithuania still needs to find a way in. Spain needs to find a way in. Uh, Slovenia needs to find a way. Like there are basketball powers that did that did not qualify, right? And, so and you know what I don't care about? Be crazy. All of all of them okay. having to, <laughs> to qualify when they've been there every year yeah, and Canada's yeah. not been. I care about what we did. Fair enough, but uh, that'll be fascinating. It's good to, to see you, my friend. Yeah, I'm glad you came in. I'm glad we did this. Uh, I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, it's been I, fun. I hope I yelled at you a little bit, so we'll see if you invite me back. Soon. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll recover. I'll, I'll get over it. It happens. Uh, glad I have big in. shoulders, eh, to do this. Uh, uh, honestly, man, uh, we we got lots coming up though on the podcast. Like I said, yeah, Tim McAuliffe coming up, fun. Dan Schulman coming up on the pod, Cheryl Pounder coming up on the podcast, Scotty Mack coming up on the podcast. It's going to be a great couple. It's like a who's who, honestly, man. That's what we do. That's what we do here. People want to have beer and talk sports. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll wind this one down here for Lever Sage. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next time. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?